What's up, everybody? Welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, the audiovisual podcast where we talk about the lectionary texts of the week. Happy Easter. We are celebrating it with you with all the dark tones in our clothing as possible. Uh, feet, Sydney's hair as the our like Easter pastel colors. Uh, Sydney, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I did. I dyed my hair this week. Yeah. His hair purple. So. Uh, I didn't intentionally do it because of Easter, but maybe it was like subconsciously me like trying to bring an Easter. Yeah, I, the Lord knew that we needed some bright colors in this in this episode. So, th- yes. And then the people that are listening for purely by podcast are like, we feel left out. And yeah. we, apologize, <laughs> we apologize to you. Uh, we're all wearing dark colors. That is the point of the matter. Uh, Neil, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm doing all right. Um my, I haven't really done anything fun this week. My only like fun thing is that I finally crawled out from under a rock and watched uh, the Beatles Get Back documentary over a couple days. And uh, yeah, just it was both fascinating and boring and fascinating and boring and it was great. So not recommended content or maybe. No, it's, it's recommended. We'll get into it later. It's fine. Well- We'll get it. We'll get into it. Uh, and I'm your host, uh, Michael Yerrick. And yeah, that that is us. Uh, I'm going to open us up in prayer. I also don't have anything exciting to say for this week. We're all just doing the Easter grind. Good Friday, Monday, Thursday, all the, all the things. Uh, okay, well, let's do prayer now. Uh, dear God, thank you for letting us be here together on this beautiful Easter week. Um, yeah, I just hope that... Um, you can help us make these texts valuable, this conversation, steer it to wherever you feel like it needs to go. Uh, Once again, thank you for letting us all be here together. Uh, As always, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Cool. Well, Sydney, you're going to start us off with the New Testament text. Do you feel ready? Yeah. Sweet. Then let's get it going. Well, so the New Testament text this week for... Easter is um, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Um, Colossians is the tiny, tiny little book right after Philippians. I was like flipping back and forth and back and forth, kept missing it. (laughs) But um, I'm actually just going to read all four verses because it's super short. Therefore, if you are raised with Christ, look for the things that are above where Christ is sitting at God's right side. Think about the things above and not things on earth. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Um, And I think, yeah, I think that's a perfect scripture to kind of start our Easter discussions and kind of usher us into the spirit of Easter. Um, I love Easter. Um, I, I mean, I think most Christians do, but I think that for me, kind of Easter imagery of like death and resurrection and, um, redemption and all these things are, are imageries that like have been a really important and central part to like why I still gravitate towards Christian like imagery and language. Um, 
it's not because, and this is just me speaking for me personally, I, I don't think I gravitate towards Christianity because I think that Christians know something that all the other religions don't, but it's just this idea of death and resurrection that I can't, every time this year comes around, I feel so moved by it. Um, and I always feel like I need it. And yeah, I, I, when I read this scripture, that's exactly how I felt. It just felt like, it's always like this weight is lifted up and it's like this reminder that, um, when we don't understand why things are the way they are, and we don't understand the big picture of how things are going to work out, we can step into resurrection life. Um, and I think that's what this scripture is doing. It's an invitation um, to set our minds on the things above and not on the things on earth. And to me, that means an invitation to embody resurrection and to see the world through the lens of the death and resurrection of Christ. Um, and in times like this, that feels like a really valuable invitation. Um, and I think because it's like, being able to access the power of resurrection and redemption um, to me makes the difference when I feel really dreadful about things that I see going on in the world. I mean, I know every single one of us is exposed day in and day out of things that are going on in the world that are like sad and, and hurtful and we see people hurting and we see violence and we see you know uh just news headline after headline of horrific things and it can feel like the world is so far past redemption and being reminded with this scripture that we have access to because of the death and resurrection of Christ we too have been redeemed and we now have access to this kind of redemptive thought and redemptive abilities. Um, and so, yeah, I guess this last part where it says, when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, you also will be revealed with him in glory. I just love that word revealed because um, to me it just feels like this permission to hope in this like unraveling of, of wholeness and this unraveling of goodness that we may not see now, but, but that we know we're like on the journey towards. And maybe I'm speaking abstractly, but it gives me so much hope. And um, it gives me permission and I think that this will be the last thing I say, but it gives me permission to imagine what I would like to see the world as and imagine the world I want to live in and imagine a world where things are being redeemed and where I see my communities loving each other and protecting each other and caring for each other. And I see our environment coming back to life 
and thriving and I see us stewarding it well and in a world where I see you know black people thriving and queer people thriving, like all these things that I want to see in the world this scripture and Easter scriptures I feel like gives me permission to see that even though I'm not seeing it right now because we are living in Easter life resurrection life um and so I love Easter and I hope my ramblings kind of made sense. What do you got? What do y'all think? No, they, they totally made sense. I, I have this absolute connection, like almost synonymous connection between the word redemption and resurrection. And I do think, I mean, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like it's, it's so incredibly hopeful to have this time every year come by that reminds us that like, yeah, there is room for redemption no matter how bad things get. I also think that the language of that last verse that you pointed to is is so specific to it's like when Christ who is your life appears or reveals himself reveals himself to you like when that happens it's not like a if that happens or if you think it's going to happen or if you believe then it will happen no it's like when it happens and I do think that means when it happens for everyone believer non-believer like I think I think it happened it does happen for everybody and that's and that's so strong um and such a big part of our of the Easter experience. Absolutely. Um, yeah, God, I, I, I love that you said that it gives you permission to like view like the, the, the beautiful world that we like know is possible. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's so strong, Sydney. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, same for me. It's like, it's uh, it's uh, with with that permission to like hope in like a better world and stuff. It's the idea that it is never too late to begin healing and transformation and whatnot, you know. But it also, it on the other hand, it's like a difficult thing because in a way, like you, every day you wake up, you have to like choose that, you know. You have to choose like healing and transformation and whatnot, and it's a it's often a painful process, but also it's one that is part of the human experience and one that I think is necessary uh, in order to grow. And yeah, it's also one of my favorite things about Easter. I always love imagery around death and resurrection and rebirth and whatnot. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a morbid person <laughs> at this point. It's entirely possible, but yeah, love that. Yeah. I think I think I'm thinking of like the things we give up for Lent and then like new year's resolutions that come around in January and stuff and how, the impulse is to like view on the failure of like, you look back on that the next year and you're like, wow, I didn't even make it till February or like, yeah, I got about four days in on my Lent fast and then I had to bail. But like, that is why this, ha why we celebrate this every year is because it's that constant reminder of like every year death and the, the death and then the resurrection is, is possible and it's come again. And I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Sydney and Neil. Thank you so much. Um, that's going to launch me into the what would be the Old Testament text. It's actually the book of Acts right now, which is a literal thing. I was going to try to understand the reasoning behind that fully to explain it to you all, but I can't. It was just kind of a thing that we were like, hey, maybe let's just like not use Old Testament like after Lent or like into Easter. I don't know. It's 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 a whole thing. We'll figure that out later but i'm going to talk to you about the book of acts uh now <laughs> so my my scripture if i can get it pulled up here um this is acts chapter 10 verses 34 through 43 
So I'm, I'm just going to start with the first chunk here because the first chunk is, I mean, on, honestly, it grabs you pretty hard. So uh, this is Peter talking, and Peter says, It is clear to me now that God plays no favorites, that God accepts every person, whatever his or her culture or ethnic background, that God welcomes all who revere him and do it right. And then he goes into listing off all these things that we know about the resurrection story. It feels very much like a kind of like a quick, a quick little summary of like, we know this happened. We know this happened. We know this happened. Um, but that, that first part is so strong for me because I, I, I just with what we know about Peter, I feel like Peter is speaking from a very clearly like learned perspective. So he has gained this new knowledge and he's saying it out loud to kind of like solidify it to himself, to cement that, this whole resurrection experience that he's gone through and like um, the moments leading up to it that he went through and he's solidifying this outside uh, out loud to himself. Now, like I'm solidifying the fact that like I have learned that God accepts every person, whatever their cultural background. And then he goes on to say that God sends a message of peace. He says, we all know these things and that all these things are proven now. Like he now has proof for all these things. He didn't believe it before, um, but you better believe it. But you better believe that I'm going to check myself now and check it into existence, which is why I'm saying this out loud to my buddy right now. Um, this whole this whole passage just kind of makes me think of a couple things. I mean, one, the humility of pushing your ego aside and accepting what Jesus has actually done, um, like stepping into this new mindset and recognizing where the actions of Jesus has have led us in our lives. Like, I mean, I think it's a really hard task to be like, I felt this one way, but now I've been proven wrong because I feel like even in my life, I can own up to the fact that sometimes I'm proven wrong and still are like, well, yeah, you know, like it's just hard. It's just hard, right? When there's ego involved, but like Peter is putting this foot forward of like, no, I'm going to like say this out loud and acknowledge the fact that I was wrong and that this is the God that I see. Um, so which makes me think that Peter is a little bit of a slow processor. Uh, and I do think he feels a little bit of guilt and maybe like, um, yeah, he, I mean, he feels a little bit of guilt in the, in the, in like his past moments here. And even then he reminds himself that God is a God of peace and forgiveness. And it's because God is a God of peace and forgiveness that he's able to like feel comfortable admitting that he now recognizes these new things. And that does give me a sort of hope that we can be better than our past selves and that the future always is redemptive. I mean, literally what Sydney was saying, like, I think Peter is kind of modeling the fact that it is possible for me and for everybody to like, look at the mistakes we've made in the past and then hope for a better future where we can step into a new thought process, maybe step into new ways of thinking that we weren't accustomed to before. And it's not too late for that. It's never too late to like step outside of your ego and own your incorrectness, um, especially in a, in a, for a God who's like so full of peace and so full of like um, forgiveness. We should always feel comfortable to like acknowledge our mistakes and move into this new state. It's still going to be hard. It's absolutely still going to be hard, but I think there is something very encouraging of this connection that Peter makes of like, God is a God of forgiveness and peace. Yes, I made mistakes, but because he is a God of forgiveness and peace that I can feel comfortable owning my mistakes and stepping into that new life, the resurrection, if you will. Um, so that's all I'll say on the matter. Uh, and it, it hits me pretty hard. So um, Sydney and Neil, do you guys want to respond to that at all? 
Yes. I thank you um, for sharing. I, I love Acts and I don't, I don't know about you too, but like, there's not many books in the Bible that I'm like, there's so many stories and I'm just like, Oh, there's so much here, but there's something about Acts. There's so much there that I'm just like, we get all this like Holy Spirit imagery and all this like Pentecost imagery and all. And I just love it. And I think that this is like a really good scripture to kind of like bring these two ideas of like, this kind of like Holy Spirit Pentecost body of Christ imagery that we get with redemption imagery, right? Because like we are all part of this body that has been redeemed or whatever. Um, and that I think a part of, yes, like living into Easter and into the resurrection is learning and accepting that the body of Christ is huge and diverse and it's not something that we're going to be able to as individuals always understand and I think that maybe that's like I think some people think that when we're doing work of like inclusion and including people from different cultures or perspectives or whatever communities that it, it means that like we have to all be on the same page and like agree or even understand one another and although I do think me personally, I do think there are some things that I would love for us to all be on the same page about. Generally, I think that the value of being willing to learn and listen to one another is so much more important than us having the ability to understand and agree with one another, you know, like, um, yes. And so like this moment that Peter has where like, you've kind of like interpreted the scripture as like, Peter now knowing that like that Christianity is is for that that God is the Lord of all and Christ is for everyone it's like yeah it's like that he did learn that because it's okay that like we don't always know and understand every perspective um but that we're willing to listen and that we're curious about one another and curious about the vastness of the body of Christ that we have access to through the rede the redemption. You know what I mean? It's like, it's all, this is my brain right now. <laughs> but yes, thank you for sharing. I love this scripture and yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, first of all, uh, I love what you said, Sydney, about like listening because like listening is like, I don't know, like listening to, other people and being open to other perspectives is, is, is hard, you know? And it, to some extent, it's not just like, there's list. I, I was talking about this with Grace the other day where like, we have this one friend where like, she's great at listening, but not great at like really hearing and like understanding, you know, like she'll talk to you about whatever, but she will absolutely just like interject, like interject and like, you know, tear your tear, whatever it is apart. Right. And it's like, that's not it's not what we're doing here claire but thank you i need that um and yeah and, and mike i also resonate with you that this passage hits me hard uh as has every single one of these nx recordings i've done so far maybe it's just the season you know maybe it's just this lenten easter season that's just really really got god just aggressively tapping me on the shoulder and being like hey bud hey bud yeah it's pretty it's pretty much what my 
pretty much what my life is like uh, at this current point in time. Um, and yeah, and I, I love what you said about like how, uh, just in a way, I like have how Peter is just like open to that change and open to looking at his past mistakes or decisions he's made. Um, I don't, I don't always like using the word mistakes when it comes to decisions in life. Uh, there's this element of philosophy called consequentialism. You can tell I finished watching The Good Place a while ago, uh, and it essentially dictates what consequentialism is: is that you know there is basically no such thing as a good or bad action. The outcome determines whether or not your choice was good or bad. So I don't know. It's like calling things mistakes right off the bat. You just made a choice and happened to have a bad outcome. Anyway, yeah, it's like, cause I've been, uh, that, that's the season I've been lately. It's just looking at a lot of like decisions I've made in the past that like haven't panned out well, either for me or for other people and trying to, trying to reconcile that with myself and reconcile with like anybody who I might've like hurt in the process. Um, there is, a line in off of the 1975's new album, off of the title track, the 1975, where he goes, I'm sorry about my 20s, I was learning the ropes. And I'm like, God, I felt that shit. Even though I'm only like, you know, I'm only 23, but even still, I'm like, man, I've I've hurt some people. <laughs> this ain't great. So yeah. Anyway, good stuff. We're gonna have to make like like a, a list of the pop culture references from Neil. Like it'll be like the subset little podcast episode. That's just like Neil explaining all the pop culture references he said over the course of studio Wesley annex, because these are, these are some good ones. Chidi Anagonye over here. Like this is, these are good references. Um, Dude, I, I preached a, a couple CCW gatherings and I had like four or five that I used. I used like avatar, everything everywhere all at once. I referenced the Avengers. Like I was just rattling them off. <laughs> You're you're giving the people what they want, Neil, and this is very important content. Honestly, uh, this is such a side. I'm just gonna sidebar really quick, yeah. but I, I feel like I need to start carrying. Like, you know how at the bottom of books or whatever they'll have like a yeah, like, yeah. I feel like I need one of those for my life because I consume a lot of media too. Yeah, I have a lot of friends who don't, and so I'm always like, oh, you haven't watched these five different shows that I'm intertwining into this one analogy. You know what I mean? I'm like, they don't get it, and yeah. they just like bringing with me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, incredible, incredible. Okay, um, I just wanted to say, as a person who is like working at a church during Easter, uh, this time can get very frustrating or feel a little overwhelming. And you guys are totally bringing all the energy back into this resurrection story for me. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, with that, we will go into a break. See you soon. Neil, before we start, do you want to give us that brief like explanation on the Beatles documentary? Yeah, Just sure. Fill in the viewers. Yeah, sure. So if you love music or you love the Beatles, essentially what you get with this documentary <clears throat> is it's about eight hours. Well, let's say six. No, I wouldn't even say six. Probably seven of the eight hours of this documentary is you watching a bunch of 26 to 28-year-olds like – one try to write songs like 14. They tried to get like 14 in a month or whatever. They kind of failed Two argue about those songs and how they should go and, you know, whether or not they were any good. 
Uh, three, get bored and play other people's music for, I don't know, hours at a time. Um, thank God they edited that. And then uh, another thing I forgot they did was they would argue about the venue because they were like, we got to do a live gig. And there's this one guy who's like, guys, outdoor amphitheater, Tripoli, like, you know, torch lit, 2000 Arabs. It's going to be great. And then the same guy goes, yeah, how's, how, how's this? How about we get a boat from England to Tripoli and we take a bunch of fans with us and it'll only take three weeks to get there. And it's like, this guy has the, the worst ideas, like, ever. Like, I every time he came on screen, I was like, this guy's the antagonist of this documentary. And he's the director of it. And it's like, but, yeah. Um, so that's pretty, mu pretty much what it's like. That's also a perfect metaphor for the Easter story. I don't need to explain that. It just makes sense. Uh, Neil, your turn with the Psalms text. Psalm 118, take it away. Hello, I'm back. Uh, yeah, Psalm 118, 14, or one, verses 1 through 2, and then 14 through 24. Um, I love this passage. I, t I love the Psalms uh, in general. They, they used to be one of my favorite books of the Bible, uh, that and Proverbs. But anyway, well, something I love about like this passage and how I think it relates to the Easter story in a way is how it sort of... Um, I don't know, sort of like just sets up and establishes the the like redemptive and healing and dare I say conquering qualities of God. You know, if you think like, you know, he conquered the grave and whatnot. Because, um, you know, if you, if you read the, even just, you know, verse 14, I might read a couple here. But yeah, verse 14, he says, the Lord was my strength and protection. He was my saving help. You know, 15, sounds of joyful songs and deliverance are heard in the tents of the righteousness. You know, go down. Yeah, Lord's strong hand is victorious. Scroll down a little bit. Verse 17, I won't die. No, I will live and declare what the Lord has done. So this it's, it's a very uplifting and a very just sort of like, I don't know, almost motivational in a way. Like, I'm, I'm struggling to find words with how it makes me feel. But overall, like, this passage is a very, very positive one it's celebratory it's kind of like you know raucous right you know it's like it's like you know we're gonna go out there we're gonna talk about how great you know lord is and what god has done for me and all these things and we're gonna do you know it's like it's god is good all the time and all the time god is good that's that's what's pretty much going on in this passage right now and that's sort of like in a way that like mirrors, you know, what happens like, you know, with Easter, right? Where whenever Jesus like emerged from the tomb and then, you know, Mary and everyone else is like, guys, guys, he's back. He's back. I don't know how he's, he's alive. I, I've seen him. And everyone's having a conniption because they're like, yeah, sure. Our, our dead friend is back from the day. Yeah, whatever. It hasn't happened since the old Testament, bro. Get out of here. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just, I love the, I love the triumph of this passage I love the way it makes me feel and uh, yeah. And it's just, it's just like, I don't know. It's, it really is just super motivational and it's like, it's just about, all about like the good news, right? Like this, this passage is just, let's celebrate the good news. And that's what we have to do on Easter, right? You know, it's what we always do, right? It's like, Oh, celebrate. Like, you know, he is risen, you know, like we're forgiven. The price has been paid, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I don't know. It's just good stuff. It's, I feel like I can't go that deep into it. All I could say is it's good It's good soup. It's a good soup of, of a passage. Honestly, Neil, I love that, though, because 
that's how I feel with most of the Easter stuff anyways. Like a lot of Easter just feels like a very big emotional experience, especially when you have the juxtaposition of like Good Friday and then like a few days later, this like the happy resurrection. I mean, everybody on both sides of everything that happened with this story back then is like going through the most extreme of emotions and then the one the 180 extreme of that emotion, right? You either, and and there's just so many emotions. I think an emotional response to this makes total sense. And um and yeah, there's all this joy in it because like we just felt the deep sorrow of thinking that the that this Jesus, this God that we were following got crucified, you know. And then yeah, we are definitely going to celebrate. It's going to be joyous and happy because our emotion was just 180 and I don't know. I think I think emotional responses to Easter just make all the sense because that that's all that's happening here is we're trying to create emotional experiences and in storytelling this is like the creme de la creme of that it's like here's your biggest sadness and here's your happiest happy and then boom we're done Night, yeah it's beautiful uh that's all that's all I'll add to that i think it's great um this scripture reminds me of that old worship song once like um Thanks to the Lord, I got it. <laughs> His love endures. Yes, I was like, oh my god, I haven't thought of that in forever. But um, yes, I I like I like I have a hard time chewing on scriptures where it's like very like joyful. And I actually have been thinking about it a lot lately, and kind of chewing on the idea of like us maybe not being taught in our culture how to like celebrate and like indulge in things um and I I I I have a lot of theories as to why um maybe we're not taught to experience like delight and joy in our culture as much as I think in other cultures um but you know this kind of desire to always want more, like the desire to grind and pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, all these kind of things that tell us that like being satisfied and being joyful and grateful aren't going to get us anywhere. And I think that this is a perfect moment that like for us to be reminded that like, no, we have not seen the world be redeemed yet the way that I think Christ intends it to be. Yet we can still celebrate and we do every year and we come together and we celebrate and we indulge and we take communion together and we sing songs. We do that every Sunday. We sing songs together. You know, like just like we carve out time for lamenting together. I think it's so important to carve out time to just celebrate in um, together in community. Um, and so I think that, yeah, I think this is a good scripture scriptural reminder of that absolutely i I'm, I'm also constantly in question about that as like a worship leader of like when is it the time for a happy song and when is it the time for the lamenting songs because like i do think we can get wrapped up in that just like the the over emotion and wanting to feel like the the hurt and the pain and the suffering whereas the joy is like sometimes the one like you said sydney that's the harder one to to get so i don't know yeah the, that that is a great just a great conversation for easter time too um all right so i'm sure you've done the math already except for the viewers 
on the podcast because they can't see us. But um, there's only three of us here, and there's four passages. Whatever will we do? I think for in true Studio Wesley Annex fashion, we will treat this exactly like the point of the podcast, which is a bunch of people in the back of the church just spitballing about a scripture. I think I'm going to take our gospel text, Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10, and I'm just going to read it to us, and I think we'll just spitfire first thing that comes to your mind kind of discussion. I may throw out a question or two, but uh, yeah, let's see how that goes. So if you're listening at home, I would love, I mean, I would love to invite you to just close your eyes and like picture the story unfolding. Cause I, I, I mean, I think it can be strong. So I'm reading from the voice translation. Uh, this is Matthew 28 verses one through 10. After the Sabbath, as the light of the next day, the first day of the week crept over Palestine, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb to keep vigil. Earlier, there had been an earthquake. A messenger of the Lord had come down from heaven and had gone to the grave. He rolled away the stone and sat on top of it. He veritably glowed. He was vibrating with light. His clothes were light, white like transfiguration, like fresh snow. The soldiers guarding the tomb were terrified, and they froze like stone. The messenger spoke to the women, to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, and the messenger said, Don't be afraid. I know you're here keeping watch for Jesus who was crucified, but Jesus is not here. He was raised just as he said he would be. Come over to the grave and see for yourself. And then go straight to his disciples and tell them he's been raised from the dead and has gone to Galilee. You'll find him there and listen carefully to what I am telling you. The women were both terrified and thrilled, and they quickly left the tomb and went to the, find the disciples and give them this outstandingly good news. While they were there on their way, they saw Jesus himself. And Jesus greeted them with rejoice. And the women fell down before him, kissing his feet and worshiping him. And then Jesus says, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. Tell them I will meet them there. Uh, I'll throw it out to Sydney, you and Neil first. First thing that comes to your mind. Uh, here's your reminder that the first evangelists were women. <laughs> That's my <I> first. <laughs> Mary's, Mary's the first pope. That's all I'm saying. Mary's the first pope. Incredible. Yeah, I... Absolutely. Honestly, we could end. We could end there. That's all we needed in this, really. Um, so, the, I, I obviously I've read this already, but the first thing that comes to my mind is like, what the heck is taking Jesus so long that these women caught up to him? <laughs> like he had he had a head start, and they still caught up to him. And I'm just like, Jesus, what what you what what going on here? Um, do you guys have thoughts to that question? I have a hunch, but. Any impulse response to that? Um, no. What's your hunch? I want to know your hunch. Yeah. So I like every time I read scripture, my my impulse goes to what the most what what is the way Jesus can become most human? Because I think Jesus that representation of the human side of God is like what we need out of Jesus. And I I I weirdly wonder if Jesus is is taking so long because he's like strolling. I mean the resurrection from the dead is like just as crazy to him at first too. It's like, I'm a human, like, Holy crap, my body's back. This is what's going on. And he's just like strolling to Galilee, just like, you know, touching every flower, like feeling the wind, like, Holy crap. And I have no idea if that's biblically accurate or like fair to say, but like, to me, it's a pretty picture. Yeah. Of like Jesus taking a stroll. Yeah. It's almost like when it's been really cold out 
and then you finally get your first warm day and how you just like want to like indulge this like yeah. and the feeling of like you know what I mean like I, I I imagine that might be what it felt like you know yeah just like first time back in my body like oh yeah this is nice cue back in my body by Maggie Rogers in the background <laughs> yeah I, I I guess I have like a similar thought right because obviously we 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 don't really know what like happens to us when we die or what it'll feel like, but I can imagine going from death back into one of these things. There's probably kind of a weird feeling, you know? Um, uh, the first thought that popped into my mind is why Jesus was walking around, you know, like the show Narcos and how like there's the meme of like the sad Escobar where he's just sort of like standing there or whatever. And it's just like looking like sad off into the distance. That's kind of like what I imagined, right? I imagine Jesus is just sort of doing a mix of that, but then also just like walking around, right? And it's just like, in, like kind of like what you said, Mike, I guess, you know, it's just like touching every flower and like, you know, every rock and stuff. And it's just like getting used to being back in a body again. But I also imagine there's probably some like sadness in there because he's like, well, I'm back, but I've got to leave soon. So I got to... You know, he's like probably just like I'm gonna enjoy this while I can. Yeah, yeah. Feel, you know. Or is it like not enjoyable because like I like between Jesus's death to the resurrection, like if he's like in heaven, is it is it like then a bad thing that he's come back? I don't actually know. Then it's like oh, I'm back in this thing. This is a very pointless conversation. <laughs> There's just, surely a lot of paperwork to file. A lot of paperwork to file. My the other question I was gonna ask you guys is like these women after they leave with the like so the you know the angel says to them like go do this thing go go like tell people about this like what is that conversation like on the way to galilee like what are what are you talking about are you stunned in silence because you're just like yeah that just happened or like i don't know like what does that conversation look like in your opinion i i feel like i would Maybe it's just because I have a hard time with supernatural. So, like, mm -hmm. you know, they might have just had more faith than me. Yeah. But I feel like in that moment, I would have so many questions. Like, I would be like, did we just see what we think we saw? You know what I mean? Like, you saw that, right? I saw that. You heard that, right? Like, you know what I mean? Kind yeah. of like them processing their grief and wondering how much of this was, like, they really saw you know, and, and yeah, this yeah. is the whole story, like, what really jumped out to me in, like, reading this is, like, this whole part of the story is so theatrical. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you just get painted these, like, vivid pictures of, like, a tomb, and there's lights, and there's an, and you know what I mean? And then I'm just imagining what it's like going from something that feels so very real to, like, watching your friend die, right? Like, yeah. watching somebody be brutally, like, that is a real-life thing to, like, all of a sudden feel like you're stepping into, like, a dream. You know what I mean? This kind of, like, I would feel like I'm not awake, you know? And, yeah, like, did I did I crack? Like, did, did seeing my friend die break me? Like, is this all... Yeah, you just like wake up like miles down the road, walking to Galilee. Like, what am I doing? What was? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Gosh, I so I read this. I read this post recently. This is unrelated, but you said theatrical. And I just wanted to say this. That was like basically the the like 
Monday Thursday story is like the most theatrical, like anybody could ever be is Jesus walking into the last supper and being like, one of you is going to betray me. And then, and then refusing to say who it is. That's like the ultimate epitome of drama and theatricality is like, one of you will betray me. I ain't saying who, but one of you. You think you think Jesus cued his own lightning strike in the background just to like match that, you know? That's that's what I would have done, right? If I if I was an all-powerful being, I would I would just be so much more dramatic than I already am. I would have like had my own thunder going in the background. It's like, you know, just like bats flying in and out, right? Well, and maybe that maybe there is something to that theatricality. Like all the translations mention like an earthquake of sorts and like this bright white clothing, you know, like and maybe there maybe there's something to that. It's like I mean, the resurrection is obviously not something we recognize in today's time as like nor- normal. Like that's not an everyday occurrence, you know? So like, yeah, maybe maybe this is like totally intentional. It's like we're about to do something magical and like crazy and people aren't going to believe it. So let's make it stand out. Like let's make it big. Let's make it something worth celebrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So – Anyways, yeah, thank you for indulging with me on that. I think I think it's so interesting, especially with a story that feels so not, I don't want to say monotonous, but it's definitely one we've all heard many times, right? It's like this is this is the story. Like we get the resurrection moment, the two soldiers at the tomb are just like holy crap. And then uh yeah, the women the women go and do the thing, as we all know. Um, okay, I will we'll end this episode there. I will close us in prayer before we do so. But uh, thank you again, Neil and Sydney, for for engaging with me on this, these new things that we're trying and uh, just um, a really exciting Easter episode. So, um, yeah, let me pray for us. Um, God, I thank you so much for Neil and for Sydney and for everybody who's honestly been with us on this on this annex journey. Um, I think, yeah, Easter can be a time of stress or a time of monotony or just feel like a thing that we do. But sometimes um, your words and the conversations we can have around them can spark so much new excitement and new interest and really get us thinking about so many big concepts. And uh, ultimately this is a story of celebration and thankfulness and just, you bring so much to us and, uh, Honestly, Easter feels exactly like how this prayer does, which is just like, I have so many feelings and I don't know how to voice them all. And I'm grateful for that. So thank you for letting us have this episode and for bringing us all together in Jesus name. Uh, Once again, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. For those of you on the podcast, uh, this has been Studio Wesley Annex. Until next time.